This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Hey, welcome back, Christian McCaffrey. For one week, we'll talk about his injury. We don't know that he's out, but he might be out. We'll tell you how we feel about Mike Davis going forward. We have a lot of running backs coming back, hopefully in week 10. We'll talk about that and recap last night's game. we got our five big topics. Welcome to the Monday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer with Chris Towers and Ben Schrager. Chris, I was so excited to watch the game last night. I DVR'd it. I didn't start. I like. I didn't even bother. Once I saw the halftime score, I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to watch this game tonight." I watched it this morning just for fun. But wow, what a disappointment! Uh, yeah. Can we get a good prime time? Are the Jets and the Patriots going to come through in prime time this week? Uh, I we owe it. We're I can owed it. Conceive of a world in which this is not a blowout. It's really hard to conceive of a world in which it's a good game. Like you remember there was the uh Oregon Auburn National Championship. This is probably like 10 years ago now, so really timely reference. Uh it was really close. I think it was like a 15-12 game or something, but it was like a horribly played game. It I, it could be like that. I like the Broncos Jets Thursday night game. Sure. That was yeah. a fun game. That was fun, yeah. I would take I would take that. I would sign up for that. Uh, but boy, two primetime duds this week: Packers, Niners, and uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Of course, we will talk about that. What's up, Shrags? What's up? The Bucks didn't run the ball at all last night. No, I think they set an NFL record, right? They Fewest- did, and we were trying to figure out which running back. It didn't matter. NFL record: fewest rushes. Five carries in the game. Fewest carries in an NFL game for a team. Horrible. Um, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey here. By the way, our five big topics today are Dalvin Cook's playoff schedule, which includes the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, Debo Samuel, a prediction that he will be top 15 rest of season. DJ Moore, is he droppable? The injured running backs who are coming back, possibly this week, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert. And what's going on with James Conner? That's all coming up in a bit. Let's start with Christian McCaffrey. He hurt his shoulder. He could miss time. Obviously, if he plays, you're starting him great. They got Tampa Bay this week, who obviously great run defense. But Mike Davis, 87% rostered, so some people did drop him. This is not so much a waiver wire question, but guys, Ben, I'll start with you. How confident are you in Mike Davis? Because his his first three games, he was incredible. He had 21 or more PPR fantasy points. His next three games, 9, 3, 7 non-PPR points, 11, 8, 8 PPR fantasy points. Just wasn't really that good. So how confident are you going to be in Mike Davis if McCaffrey's out? Look, it's a tough matchup against the Bucks, And I think it's a problem that Curtis Samuel is taking some snaps in the backfield. I don't think Mike Davis will run well, but I wouldn't be surprised if he caught five to six passes. So I would almost treat him like the James White of the beginning of this year, where he's at a low end RB2. You're expecting four or five passes caught a good floor, but not confident in Mike Davis. I do like Curtis Samuel. A heck of a lot more if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play. Okay, Chris, anything to say about the Panthers? Just for reference, the last time they played Tampa Bay was in week two. And Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis, that was the game McCaffrey left with an injury. Mike Davis got like the final two drives. Uh, They combined for 12 catches, 103 yards, 59 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. So uh, not necessarily, I mean, as we saw last night, this Buccaneers defense is not necessarily bulletproof. 
Um, well, the pass defense so, for sure. They got some. Yeah. They got some holes in that secondary. Mike Mike Davis, I, I stupidly dropped him in one league because I needed a tight end, and I it was a whole thing. I I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. No, it's, it happens. You sit but, there uh, and you're like, please don't don't let McCaffrey get hurt this week. I don't want to yeah. feel stupid. And yeah. So yeah, I lost him. It feels good. Uh, he he's a must start running back. Maybe. Maybe he's not an RB1 this week, but he probably is. Okay, and I'm not going to go through all the injuries. I mean, David Montgomery's in the concussion protocol. Jack Doyle's in the concussion protocol. Doyle plays on Thursday, and uh, we'll 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 update you on Tuesday's show. I do want to tell you that you should pick up Jason Sanders, the kicker for the Dolphins. He has made 20 field goals in a row. He hit two from 50 or more yards yesterday, and Sanders is rostered in like... 20% 20% of leagues or 27%. And Chris, you must be excited about the Dolphins. What a big win. Yeah. I mean, my Dolphins fandom hangs. I mean, you, I've got the Chris Chambers jersey behind me, as you guys can see. It's the only uh, piece of football Chris paraphernalia Chambers. I own. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's like 15 years old. Uh, it hangs off of me like a phantom limb. Uh, and I can't remember ever being as positive about a Dolphins quarterback in my conscious lifetime as I currently am about to attack a willow. Oh, you feel he's you're feeling the legit sauce? Uh certainly more legit than Cleo Lemon. <laughs> all right, well we won't bring Jay Fiedler into this. Um all right. So yeah, we got the Masters coming up. The first cut podcast is awesome. It has all your golf needs. Look, you're, I got a lot of golf fans out there. We got a lot of golf fans in the audience. You know me. I'm not a huge golf person, but I like the Masters. So check out the First Cut podcast, Tiger uh, First Cut. Uh, Tiger Woods begins his green jacket defense this week at Augusta National. So tune into the podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, all week for tournament previews, picks, best bets, round-by-round recaps as the world's best tee-off on Thursday. The First Cut crew is on the scene at Augusta National, ready to bring you every insight into a tradition unlike any other. So go listen to the First Cut Golf Podcast wherever you listen to, to podcasts. There you go. You have a Masters during the fall? That's going to be beautiful. Yeah, you're right. Like, the golfer's ga- Instagram game is going to be on point this week. <laughs> All right, the Saints 38 and the Bucks 3. Saints had the ball for two-thirds of this game. What I found so interesting is that, like, Basically, Drew Brees was the only player who had a really good game from a fantasy standpoint. You know, we had we had so many stars out there, Ben, and Brees comes through with uh, 30 fantasy points. Kamara was fine, but he had his worst game. of In terms of fantasy points, he had his worst game of the year. He had his second fewest carries, second fewest targets, tied for the second fewest catches of the season, and uh, for 49 total yards and a touchdown with five catches. But I don't know, Ben, your overall thoughts on this... Uh, disappointing this dud of a fantasy game yeah on the Saints side Breeze said after the game they're easing so many guys back in he wanted to spread the targets around he targeted 12 different guys I don't think it'll be like that every week but yes Michael Thomas meh Sanders caught a touchdown pretty much everyone had a touchdown except the guys that we wanted which were Thomas and all the Bucks but it was scary (laughs) to see Tom Brady look this bad and it wasn't a great matchup by any means but he has so many weapons he looked terrible I can't say we can make any conclusions about Mike Evans versus Godwin versus Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown did play a lot more snaps than we expected. So something to keep an eye on, but all of them at this point to me are wide receiver, two, three options. Godwin's probably preferred, but it's, it was not pretty last night. 
Chris, I kind of felt like we learned nothing last night. Yes. About the quote, Bucks. To quote Proverbs 27, 17. Oh God. As iron sharpens iron, <laughs> so one person sharpens another. In a game where neither uh, team had to do anything, really, because it was such a laugher so early, we we learned nothing. Like This is just... When a game gets this out of hand so early... Neither team really like neither team has to go to their go to guys. Neither team has to really put the pressure on themselves. And that's when you learn about a team is when the pressure's on. And in this one, like the Saints could spread the ball around to everyone. They had a play where Traquan Smith was literally walking in the end zone, waiting for a ball to to land so he could catch it. It was Yeah. Just unbelievably uncompetitive. And so yeah, we learned nothing. Like the the Buccaneers won't be this much of a mess, but I guess you can be concerned that this might be a bit of a messy offense moving forward. Um, yeah, I think it, I think you could say it was beforehand. Just yeah, well, with, with but nobody, it was a good no, messy. Yeah, but nobody was getting a ton of targets. You know, Godwin was getting like yeah. eight targets, and you look at the targets in this game. Yep, and it was. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette all had five to six targets, and Ronald Jones had four targets. And this has been, this maybe something is something we learned, and it was backed up, right? Like the all year long, the Bucks have been a team that throws the ball a lot, but not to any one particular player. And now you throw Antonio Brown in the mix, and Ronald Jones, like Ronald Jones, two games in a row is getting like four targets. I think he has eight targets and seven catches in his last two games. So it does make you wonder how reliable these Bucks wide receivers are going to be, especially if Chris Pot Godwin's can't catch the ball. He's got a splint on his finger. You know, he was okay. Um, okay, let me ask you some questions. Who would you rather have rest of season, Breeze or Brady? And can we give Breeze some, some freaking respect already? He's having a great year. He did it all without Michael Thomas and 30 points. All right, you said Brady? I'm on the Breeze train. I was before the game as well. I kind of the only one with you, Adam, on Breeze, and I think it's reasonable to have Brady ahead, but I think Michael Thomas is a big deal for Drew Breeze. Uh, and Chris said Brady. Okay, how about um, Michael Thomas is going to be number one in this game. Michael Thomas, rest of season, or um, let's say DK Metcalf. I would go Michael Thomas. Thomas. Even in, let's say, non-PPR. Yeah. Yep. Okay. How about rank rank the three Bucks wide receivers rest of season? And look, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to tell everybody honestly, it could change every week, it, like how we rank tight ends. It's just a guessing game, but for trade value purposes, how would you rank the three Bucks wide receivers? Going into the week, it was Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown for me, and I just have to keep it like that. There's, I'd learn nothing in this game to change it. I would say in terms of trade value, try to get rid of Evans, if any of them, because I don't know that Evans is going to lead the team in receiving at all, but I didn't learn anything last night. Yeah, I think I'd probably go Godwin, Evans, Brown, um, but I don't think any of them should be in the top 15. Just a few more notes on this game, and I did watch it in case anybody's confused. I was going to watch it last night because I was pumped. Then I saw the score. I'll save it for Monday morning. Uh, Jared Cook... Almost touchdown, ended up being a fumble. Rob Gronkowski, almost touchdown, had it knocked out of his hands. Mike Evans had two end zone targets. Ronald Jones got stuffed at the goal line. So they had a possession, I think they had first and goal from the one and they couldn't get in. 
Jones was in. Jones was the goal line back, and then Fournette came in on fourth and one for sure, maybe third and one. Uh, but it, we again, like Chris said, don't be fooled. Don't go assuming Leonard Fournette is the starting running back now. And that was the case. Ronald Jones was still the starting running back, but we did not learn much about this. I think we just lost Ben Schrager. All right, we'll get him we back. He'll be back. So final score, 38-3, to three, and let's move on. Let's get to our five big topics. Big topic number one from Alec. He says, Dalvin Cook has been saving me this season, but I just looked at his playoff schedule. Do I have to try to sell high on Dalvin Cook? And his playoff schedule, Chris, is Tampa Bay in Week 14, Chicago in Week 15, and the Saints in Week 16. Do you have to sell high on Dalvin Cook, the number one per game running back in fantasy? Actually, Um, McCaffrey is ahead of him in PPR. What are you supposed to get for him? What is higher than Dalvin Cook? What realistically, like, if he's not the number one pick right now, He's he's the number one pick right now. Like, uh, I guess like Christian McCaffrey, you can also definitely make a case for. And if like Christian McCaffrey, the last two seasons were historically good. And so you can definitely defer to that. But the workload, the effectiveness that we're seeing from Cook this season, and it's not just the last two weeks. It's really been the case all year. He's on pace for. Oh, let me let me give you the numbers because they're awesome. Check this out. His 15 game pace. Okay, his, is 2,356 yards and 27 touchdowns. That's his 15-game pace because he missed a game. Okay, well, I have his 16-game pace as 2,078 total yards and 30 touchdowns. So that's what I have. I have 2,078 total yards. Alvin Kamara's 16-game pace is 2,072 total yards, six fewer yards than Dalvin Cook. But Cook is on pace for 30 touchdowns and Kamara for 16 touchdowns. Um, I think that I would probably take Kamara in PPR because Cook has 16 catches this year and Kamara yeah. has 60. So, I, no, in fact, I, de- I definitely would take Kamara in PPR. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you're talking about selling high on Dalvin Cook, you are talking about getting, like, James Conner and... Calvin Ridley for Dalvin Cook or something like 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 round two round two players for Dalvin Cook and I don't even know that I do that I don't think I would do that Ben you there you also anytime you're doing a two for one three for one trade like yeah you get two second rounders but you're also losing a spot in your roster and let's say you have a guy who's not great but he's averaging like 12 PPR points per game and Cook is at 20 Six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. It's just really, it's going to be, and he's not going to keep that up. He is playing over his head, uh, but he's going to be a twenty PPR point per game guy moving forward. And I, I think the only concern is that he just can't stay healthy, and that's been the issue in the past. But, mm-hmm. but, but the mat, like we should just, I guess, let me answer the question because I got off track. The playoff matchups, you know, how concerning are they? The Bears, not a concern. They're a solid run defense. They're not great. The Saints and the Bucks are great. Great run defenses. Has Cook faced tough competition? Yes. 14 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Two catches for eight yards at the Colts. Um, 17 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Five catches for 24 yards at Seattle. Yes, honestly, Seattle, good run defense. We're seeing that this year. So the rush averages weren't great, but the workload was good enough, and he scored in both of them. 
I'm just not really concerned about it. I mean, like maybe he won't be great against the Bucks, but he'll also get more carries. You know, against the Bucks, you have I think only one player with more than like 15 carries. Cook will probably Cook will have more than 20. You know, I'd be surprised if he didn't. So I don't think it's a sell. I think you just enjoy it. Plus, he upcoming. He's got Chicago this week. Then he has Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville. You got to make the playoffs first. Yeah, and you're a gonna lot make can it change him. between now and week 13, 14, 15, 16. This is I, I talked about this yesterday, but or last week. There, anytime like the closer the playoffs get, the more you can start looking at playoff schedules and start factoring that into your player valuations. But right now, you're still. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. <laughs> what? Six weeks away from the playoff starting if you have a three-week play or two-week playoff, five weeks away. Think about what things looked like in week five or week right. four compared to what they look like now. A lot has changed, even among defenses. Five weeks ago, we didn't think the Dolphins were this incredible defense. Now, all of a sudden, they really do look like one of the best units in the league. So we're uh, still dealing with so? small sample sets. What's that? You think so? Because I know they, yeah. I know they were leading the NFL in points per game, the fewest. But they were tw- they were twentieth in yards. Nobody no, no, I, I think it's good. A, I want to know if they. I just don't know if they're really a good matchup because they, I think their secondary is le- totally legit, like really good. Um, their run defense. I was surprised at how well they did against Chase Edmonds. I thought the Dolphins' run defense wasn't very good. Falcons. Look at the Falcons. That was a that would look like. Yeah a historically bad offense five weeks ago. I was now just, it just looks like a regular bad offense. I was just trying to get defense. your opinion of, on the Dolphins' defense. But. I haven't looked into the numbers, Adam. No, I was no. Just, I, that was the first team that came to mind. I'm I'm just curious. I just don't know what kind of a matchup it is because I know they have a very good secondary and they blitz like crazy, but their run defense really stepped up against Chase Edmonds and it was, it was surprising. All right, let's go to our next. Ben's back. Let's go to our next topic from Josh Edwards. Debo Samuel, top 15 wide receiver, rest of season. Book it. Especially with no Kittle, he will be peppered with targets and has rushing upside. Ben, Debo, top 15. Yeah, I don't don't buy it. I don't believe it. I think he can get targets, but I don't think he'll be peppered with targets. I think Brandon Ayuk is a very good wide receiver. I think the tight ends will continue to be involved because Kyle Shanahan wants them to be, whether it's Jordan Reed or anyone else. Any fullback could be involved. And they have a bunch of running backs returning, and they're going to continue to pound the rock. So I don't think he'll be a top 15 wide receiver. He's got to be rostered, and I think he's going to be a startable wide receiver, but top 15 is a reach for me. Chris, we talked about some waiver wire wide receivers on yesterday's show. Curtis Samuel, Jerry Judy. Uh, I forgot there was one other. Christian, no, not, not Christian. Who? KJ Hamler? No. Who's the third? Um, all right, well, anyway, Debo Samuel is only 57% rostered. I, I he might be my number one priority if I saw him out there, my leagues. Yeah, I mean to to go back to the initial question, uh, you know, he will he get peppered with targets? Pepper implies, uh, you know, a, a velocity to the targets <laughs> that I don't think will be there because his average depth of target this season is two point four yards past the line of scrimmage. His last two games before the injury, negative five point three and negative two. That will yeah. change moving forward. No George Kittle. They will have to use him more like a typical wide receiver. But I think we're going to see a lot of creative usage with Debo Samuel. I think we're going to see a lot of creative usage with uh, Brandon Ayuk. The problem for Samuel is I worry that Ayuk is a better version of Samuel as a wide receiver. I think both of them are great playmakers after the catch and with the ball in their hands. I think Ayuk's a little bit better uh, making plays down the field. And so it's going to be key for. Samuel to continue to get the short yarded stuff 
and to continue to make plays on that, which is going to be more difficult with no George, no George Kittle to draw the defense's attention and also to not have George Kittle blocking. He's the best blocking tight end in the NFL probably. So I think this offense as a whole is just going to be worse and it lowers the upside of everyone. But Ayuk and Samuel, I think both have the potential to be number two wide receivers moving forward, given the state of this offense. So I would say he's a must must roster player. A hundred percent. I don't know. Yep. But it doesn't have to be top 15, but I do think that Debo could have a really good finish to the year. Yes. Okay. So let's go to our next question here. DJ Moore from FD2. Is DJ Moore droppable? Sounds crazy, but he's really just as good as many waiver wire options. And I'll tell you right now, in non-PPR, he's number 27 per game. In PPR, he's number 37. Number 37. He has 35 catches in nine games. So his 16-game uh, his pace is 62 catches, 1,138 yards, and five touchdowns on 110 targets. All right. I don't think anyone's actually dropping DJ Moore, but is how crazy is that, Ben? Is DJ Moore droppable? You're in a pinch and your worst bench player in a 10-team league is DJ Moore. I'm dropping him for Jerry Judy. I'd prefer Judy moving forward. Look, early on, we said Robbie Anderson is what we thought DJ Moore would be. It's continued to hold true. He's getting the targets. He's getting the short yard target, short area targets. And DJ Moore is not getting peppered with targets at all. Three targets in a great setup this week. And last year, he had 11 games of six-plus targets. He's just not getting six-plus targets this year. So, no, I don't want to drop him. But if you're in a pinch, I'd rather have Jerry Judy. And DJ Moore is a big disappointment. He sure is. Oh, that's fair. So, how about Debo Samuel or, or DJ Moore rest of season? I think I'd still rather have more. But I wouldn't drop more for Samuel. But I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if I was starting Samuel over more this week. Yeah, I'd rather have more, but it's more of just, I don't know that the volume is going to be there for Samuel. And I think there's a bit of hope for more, but I think they're pretty even moving forward. I, first of all, DJ Moore has only five red zone targets this year, three, three red zone targets this year. That's really low. They've all come, though, inside the 10 yard line. So three. Green zone targets is actually not that bad. He only had two of those last year. But he continues to not get a lot of targets where it counts. I think that you can make a case that McCaffrey is bad for more. Because they really... Like, like Mike Davis is not running the, hasn't run the ball successfully the last three games. Um, and I think... I know it didn't really play itself out in this game, but I think Bridgewater will throw fewer touchdown passes with McCaffrey in the game. Because McCaffrey's had... Uh, Five rushing touchdowns in three games? Did he have one rushing touchdown on Sunday, McCaffrey? I think so. One yep. rushing, one receiving. He has five rushing touchdowns in three games. So, I mean, I think McCaffrey will impact more a little bit. And now Samuel's coming on. It's disappointing. I don't want to drop him, but I just don't know. I don't know that you're going to be able to predict his good games. You know no, what I mean? That's, that's no, what's I, frustrating. It's like, if you had a guy where you'd be like, all right, I know I'm going to start him these weeks. That's one thing. But it just seems so random for DJ Moore. He, he is in, I think, that like you can quibble with like the specific players and how you would rank them, but I think in like Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Will Fuller, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Cooks, I think you can probably throw in there, and I'm sure there's a lot more of the boomer bust, you know, wide receiver two slash wide receiver threes, where you would like to think the matchup you can predict when they're going to have a good game, but really it's it's all going to come down to 
whether they hit on that big play. If they hit on the big play, they can have a huge game. If they don't hit on the big game, they can still be worth starting, but that's always going to be the, the difference. And he's in that role now. He's He is the downfield guy for this offense, where in the past he had been the yeah. possession receiver. And a lot like Stefan Diggs, you know, I think it might be a situation where DJ Moore may not break out truly until he gets onto an offense that uses him like a number one wide receiver, but he has the skill set to do all of those things. And I think he's going to be someone who is unpredictable, is frustrating, but will have big boom games. All right. You may have sold Brandon Cooks a little short there, by the way, because he has nine or more targets and four straight sure. games. And like all of like Will Fuller has six straight games with a touchdown, longest streak in the NFL. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have both just been kind of mad lately. But like it's the like whatever, pick a different player, you know? Yeah, you're Cooks talking, has not you're talking really about been that the, guy lately. Yeah, you're talking about the guys that like we really believe in, but they just have a lot of bad games, a lot of quiet games. Yeah, yeah. I think I Marquise Brown is a guy who hasn't done the big game yet, but I think is in that discussion as well. All right, uh, next question from Sean Brendan Lemons. Please talk about the running backs that are injured but due to come back soonish. Chubb, Miles Sanders, Mostert. One player he didn't mention that I forgot about was Austin Eckler. I think uh, I wouldn't expect him this week, maybe next week for Eckler. But Chubb, yeah. Sanders, Mostert all could be back this week. Where do they rank rest of season? When will we get them back? Why don't we rank Chubb, Sanders, and Mostert rest of season? And, uh, you know, are they top 12? Are they top 20? Uh, Chris, you can get the first word. Chubb, Sanders, Mostert. How do you rank them? Sanders, Chubb, Mostert. Sanders, Chubb, Mostert. Okay, Ben? I'm Chubb, Sanders, Mostert. I could go back and forth all day with Chubb and Sanders, but I think there's a clear path of, for them above Mostert. I wonder why that. Why is that, guys? Why is Mostert third for you? I know that Miles Sanders is going to get over 60 yards a game, and I know Nick Chubb is going to get over 15 touches a game. We don't know what the 49ers' backfield is going to look like. They're very willing to use Mostert, but they're also very willing to use People like Mostert did last year, where it's like a hasty could have a big game. McKinnon could have a big but game. That really hasn't encouraged. been the case. Like when Mostert has been healthy, he has been featured. That, in fact, you really look at them, you don't see a lot of weeks where they didn't feature someone. The one that, it, until, until like, okay, week three against the Giants, McKinnon was getting all the work, then he got hurt, and then Jeff Wilson came in. You know, Hasty was pretty much non existent last week. Uh, uh, Mostert's already I been mean, hurt twice, so maybe he doesn't yeah. get that same leash. Uh, that's the that's the thing I think is that it's been Sanders and Chubb have, I think, less so Sanders, but I think both of them have proven that they can handle twenty touches a game. Mostert hasn't done that yet. Uh, he hasn't had twenty touches in a game this season. I'm not sure he had twenty touches in a game. Uh, last season, he might have had that in one playoff game. He's done it twice in his career. Yeah, so Sanders, I, though. Let me ask you about Sanders because mm -hmm. hurt in training camp last year, hurt in yeah. training camp this year, hurt already um, during the season this year. Do you think they pump the brakes on on his workload? Even though, If you look at, at Sanders' carries in five games, 20, 18, 13, 11, 9, it's not a lot, but mm -hmm. he still was dominating carries for the Eagles. I mean, it was a single-back system, basically. Do you think um, that they go back to that and he's a workhorse? I think they probably dial it back a little bit, but what I would say is they did that in the, at the end of last season, and Sanders was a very good fantasy option while splitting time with Boston Scott. I think the bigger thing is 
if you wanted to tell me that Raheem Mostert and Miles Sanders were going to be relatively close in carries moving forward, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think you could make a case that Mostert would be the better rusher on a per carry basis. Sanders has a much more valuable role in the passing game. We've seen that with Boston Scott in the two games that he's played. But he's, he's got 12 catches. Of it. What's I, that? I know you, you're going to bring the point that Wentz keeps missing him, but Miles Sanders has 25 tw- 12, 25 targets yeah. in five games, though. I guess, but he they got to start connecting. <laughs> got to start connecting here. Right, right, catches. but it's a 48% catch rate. It was 80% last season. I, well, I just think down the way field, the Eagles they? use their running backs in the passing game is so much more valuable than the way the 49ers use their running backs in the passing game. I mean, one thing we've learned about Raheem Mostert is that he is he is totally legit. I mean, he's incredibly fast. He's really, really good. It'll be, hard, it'll be interesting to see what he can do without George Kittle because the run game is worse, but... I think you got it. Yeah, Moster has to be third, but all of them are are going in your lineup, no question. Yes. Um. All right. How about? Would you rather have James Robinson over Miles Sanders or Nick Chubb? I think that's really close. Um, I'm I am more optimistic about this Jaguars offense right now than I was 24 hours. Well, no, 24. Yeah, 24 hours ago. That was still like early in that game. Um, <laughs> maybe 25 hours ago. Uh. Just because Luton, Jake Luton looked okay. He wasn't overwhelmed. I was worried he was going to be uh, a disaster. And he looked okay. Yeah, I don't think he looked great. I don't think it was like this huge change in their offense. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of talk about, well, he hit the downfield plays with DJ Chark. I, you know, there were a couple of plays that he missed. He was inconsistent and, and uh, inaccurate on some shorter and intermediate stuff. So... On the whole, I think that offense is just kind of holding steady, but that's better than I expected. And so James Robinson, I think that's right in the discussion. I think that like low end number one, I think both Chubb and Sanders are. The one concern with Robinson, he did only get two targets yesterday. It's only one game. First game, Jake Luton's career. We don't know whether that's going to be the case moving forward. That would be the one concern. All right, last question. Bada bing, bada boom. Last big topic. Is James Conner going to be okay or should we be worried? Let's look at his last two games. 15 carries, 47 yards and a touchdown and three catches for 13 yards at Baltimore. And then a really disappointing nine nine carry for 22 yards, two catch, negative two yard performance at Dallas. Um, But he had a touchdown or 100 total yards in six straight games going into week nine. My take is he is going to be just fine. And especially with Cincinnati and Jacksonville coming up. So I am not the least bit concerned. Ben, are you there? I am. Are we talking James Conner? We are talking James Conner. I'm not concerned at all either. I saw a little nugget from PFF. Pittsburgh ran four four wide receiver, one tight end sets 26 times. That's crazy high, super Mm. high number. And he played the least number of snaps he has since week one. I'm not concerned about James Conner. They're not going to be in a weird game script like this a lot. And, oh, it, it was a great matchup and he busted. But let me buy him. I'm looking to trade for him all over. Yeah, he only played 46% of the snaps. That was his lowest since week one. However, unlike week one when Benny Snell took on a big ro- uh, workload, Anthony McFarland played 12% of the snaps. Snell played 7% of the snaps. No other running backs got on the field. So... Running backs were only on the field for 65% of the Steelers snaps yesterday. I think that's just a game flow, game script thing that's not likely to happen again moving forward. And yeah, I'm not particularly worried about James Conner. 
Okay, we're going to finish the show with some key stats, guys. I got about three to five minutes. Sorry to cut you short today. Uh, just say that the Ravens offense has been struggling this year. They went up-tempo in the second half. Lamar Jackson was 10 of 10 for 119 yards, and he had a rushing touchdown. So you hope maybe that they found something in the second half that can carry over. Ben, I know you had a Jerry Judy stat and a Jarek McKissick stat. Yeah, Judy, He's if he's available on the waiver wire, I really want him. I love him. Most air, air yards in the NFL last week, most air yards in the NFL this week. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke is throwing the ball downfield, and he's looking towards Jerry Judy. So I'm a big Judy fan, I will, like everyone was before the draft, but Drew Locke is really unlocking him right now. Nice. Hey! Nice. <laughs> uh, Chris, anything you want to add? Uh, KJ Handler and Tim Patrick also, I mean, I know it's the Falcons and so we can't take too much from it. And a lot of it was garbage time, but, um, KJ Hamler had 10 targets with an average depth of target over 10 yards. Tim Patrick had nine with an average depth of target over 10. Uh, this could be a sneaky, good fantasy offense for the wide receivers moving forward. Not the running backs. No, Yeah, the Melvin Gordon and, and Philip Lindsay. I, I think they're both like flex options on a bad fantasy team. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I was agonizing over David Montgomery versus Melvin Gordon. Uh, and I'm glad that Melvin Gordon didn't make me regret that. Even mm-hmm. though Montgomery was terrible too. That's always fun. What like two weeks ago i sat, I was Travis Homer was declared active and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm sitting Ronald Jones for Travis Homer. Travis Homer did not score one fantasy point. I don't think. And then Ronald Jones had, Maybe two fantasy points in that yeah. game against the Giants. He fumbled early, barely played. I was like, all right, you know what? Back. It's a good feeling when you when you make a stupid choice and it doesn't come back to bite you. It's a good feeling. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll come back tomorrow with the waiver wire. See ya.